Mars Media. Omas Media presents Nation State of Play. This is the Nation State of Play podcast, exploring the inside political stories driving public policy in California. Thanks for listening today. Our guest is Greg Totten, who is the Golden State Communities Project, also the California District Attorneys Association. Um, really focus on the, the several races that had a big um, statement about where we are in terms of law enforcement issues as a state and the election that votes are still being counted, but um, several of them really made national headlines. And Greg was at the center of several of these races, so I wanted to have him on to talk about it. Got a little bit of echo in the background. He's joining me remotely, so bear with us uh, if you can, but I think it's all plenty uh plenty uh, audible for for the sake of a podcast here in the age of covid and greg's get greg as the former uh, da in ventura county some really unique insights as to what's going on here on course so stick with us greg cotton with the golden state communities project coming up right after this. american democracy is good but we can make it better the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers includes organizations across the country that are working right now to build a better democracy by opening primaries, implementing safe, secure voting systems, reducing corruption, and increasing transparency. Listen to our weekly podcast, How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, to hear the latest updates from the democracy reform space. Subscribe and learn more about us at nonpartisanreformers.org. Welcome back to the Nation State of Play podcast. Well, Greg, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Great to be here with you. So, so full disclosure, uh, let me say up front, as some of our listeners know, I represent Greg's organization. I'm really proud to represent Greg's organization, uh, the Golden State Communities Project, as well as the California District Attorneys Association that he leads. And I wanted to have Greg on today to talk about the election results so far. We're still counting some of them, um, but the Golden State Communities Project, which we're going to call GSCP from here on out in the show, was uh, heavily involved in several law enforcement races throughout the state. And that was really the big uh, the big theme, big news coming out of some, uh, some races that have truly national implications. So Greg, uh, thanks for being on the show to chat about some of these. And, and let me just, let me start with the headliner. Um, which I know is one that the GSCP didn't work directly on, but you certainly have a lot of familiarity with, and that is Chesa Boudin's recall. What do you make of the results in that race? I think uh, for district attorney races, issues of law and order in general, uh, that race is one of the most significant events over the last decade, probably, uh, Mr. Bodine, while uh, a likable guy, had implemented policies in San Francisco that were clearly impacting public safety, they were impacting homelessness, and those policies resulted in people not being held accountable for crime. And the public uh, rose up in large numbers to recall him, and I think it's it's a recognition from our standpoint that while the public still, and you've got essentially the most progressive city in America, 
that overwhelmingly voted to recall uh, a progressive prosecutor. And they did so, in my judgment, not because they um, are not in favor of criminal justice reform, but rather because while they want criminal justice reform, reform that makes our system fairer, more just, uh, more reasonable in the way the laws are administered, they don't want criminal justice reform that endangers their safety. And unfortunately, the policies of Mr. Bodine did just that, and the voters have said that is not what we want. So th this race obviously got national coverage. Um, you know, this, this, is, this is one of the top headlines on election night and has been for several days. Washington Post, New York Times, conservative media everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I think one of the things that everybody's interested in now is like, what, what happens next? This is an unusual situation where the mayor appoints the replacement, not the way it always works in recalls. Um, what, what do you expect from Mayor Bree here with her next steps? Well, I'm sure she's got uh, a number of candidates, and I think there's a couple of significant considerations that I would expect her to thoughtfully make. Uh, as she moves forward on selecting a successor to uh, Chesa Bodine. First of all, I think she's got to be concerned that whoever that person is, uh, there's someone who is not going to act above the law, is going to implement the law that is provided by Sacramento, that is provided by decisions of our courts. It's going to follow that law and do so in a way that protects the residents of San Francisco. That's number one. Number two, I think she's going to be concerned politically with the strength of that person and their ability to stand election in November of 2023. She uh, has to want to appoint a candidate that is going to be success successful in both areas, both from a public safety standpoint and from a political standpoint. So one of the things that I think gets lost in the headlines sometimes about San Francisco is George Gascon is facing his own recall now in Los Angeles. He was the DA in San Francisco. And I, you know, I think one of the things that gets confusing is um, there's a lot of coverage of crime stats in particular San Francisco Chronicle and some other papers are trying to drive this narrative that like crime didn't really go up during Chess's tenure. There's a lot of reasons crimes being underreported, but I think the bigger point that, those uh, articles are missing is the baseline of crime was very high because George Gascon was the DA immediately preceding Chester Boudin, and now George ironically is facing his own recall. So what do you think the implications of the Chesa recall are for the George Gascon recall in Los Angeles? I think they're very significant. And George Gascon, we have to remember, was another mayoral uh, appointee to the office of district attorney. And many of the policies that he implemented as district attorney impacted the safety of that community and uh, the safety of the residents of that community. And so we like to say that the issue began in San Francisco with George Gascon. And we believe, I think most uh, of us in law enforcement, whether as prosecutors or peace officers think that as it began in San Francisco with George Gascon, it is going to end in Los Angeles with George Gascon uh, and his recall as district attorney there. 
Okay, so so let's try to keep this organized geographically since we since we wound up in LA here. The mayor's race in LA, very interesting race. You you had Rick Caruso spending upwards of maybe forty million dollars, um, and he it looks like he's going to come out. Um, ahead in a plurality vote, albeit narrowly, um, as we're sitting here today, it's about a point and a half above Karen Bass. But both of the leading candidates and really all the serious candidates spent a lot of time also messaging on law enforcement, homelessness and related issues. Uh, what do you make of the dynamic in, in the Los Angeles beyond just the, the chase of recall and maybe implications for, for some of these other races in the city? I think we're also seeing uh, what I would characterize as chaos in the city and county of Los Angeles. Uh, a large degree of that chaos is due to the presence of a district attorney who views himself as not only uh, an executive branch official as district attorney, but a legislator and a judge and is trying to implement an agenda that is entirely contrary to law, entirely contrary to policies uh, from Sa Sacramento, and entirely contrary to what is in the best interest of the residents of Los Angeles. And so I think Angelinos are feeling less safe. Angelinos are feeling like their criminal justice system is doing a better job of serving and protecting criminals than it is protecting victims and serving the residents of Los Angeles County. And they're angry, just like the residents of San Francisco were angry with Mr. Bodine. That is, that is the reason that the recalls already gathered more than a half a million signatures. I believe it will qualify and I believe it will, will be on a special election sometime early next year. All right, so um, we're, we're doing some geographic hopscotch. Let's take the non-existent bullet train back up to the Bay Area here and talk about Alameda County. Um, this was an interesting one, uh, sort of a legendary DA, Nancy O'Malley, retiring, open seat. You guys participated in this. Uh, tell us a little bit, if you can, about the field in that race and what you saw play out last week. Sure. Well, something we, we need to remember about Alameda is it is a historically significant county from a criminal justice standpoint. Uh, a district attorney generations ago in Alameda County was named Earl Warren. He obviously is a leading figure uh, from the history of our criminal justice system, the efficacy of that system. And he went on to become attorney general governor and then ultimately was uh, named as chief justice of the united states supreme court so alameda has a count has is a jurisdiction that is rich in a focus on criminal justice a focus on safety and law and order and it has a long tradition of being a very well-run uh, organization and a unique office really nationwide so Nancy O'Malley has done a great job as district attorney. We're sorry to see her go, but in the election to replace her, we had a number of candidates that were inside deputy district attorneys running. And then we had uh, uh, one of the two outside candidates I would characterize as, as a rogue, uh, potentially a rogue prosecutor, much like Chesa Bodine, much like George Gascon who at her core was committed to decriminalizing the system, releasing people from custody, having zero bail policies. And she wound up with only 39% of the vote. 
I think that's a tribute to the voters in Alameda County. And it's also a recognition of this rich history and the quality of the people who ran against her from within the office. And, th and this is, a, again, another very, very progressive county, um, certainly as, you know, includes Oakland and, and parts of the East Bay Bay Area. Um, so I think we're seeing a consistent theme here across the state. But, but speaking of very progressive, and I think this race really hasn't gotten much attention, but, it, but I think it's actually tremendously significant. At Yolo County, where the president of your organization, um, Jeff Reisig, was up for re-election, really one of the bluest areas in the whole state. He, he wins by 20 plus points, it appears. Um, tell us about that race, if you can, and what you make of the results. Um, I think they're also significant. And what, what we're seeing at a statewide level, and, and Jeff's race, I think, uh, typifies this, is growing concern upon the part of the electors with public safety and a recognition that uh, rogue policies, rogue prosecutors are doing a disservice to communities really across California and across the nation. And so in Yolo County, it's a relatively small county, but as you mentioned, it is a bluer than blue county in part because of the presence of a major university there. But um, Jeff Reisig's been a-, a All the Davis people appreciate you calling them a major university. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding that they're always just- They're always, like, it step, they always yeah, no, it's, it's an amazing place. World-class institution. Also produces a lot of very fine lawyers. Yeah. But, uh, in that county, Jeff, uh, has been, while he is very much a law and order prosecutor who believes holding violent criminals accountable, he has been very progressive in implementing uh, really exceptional policies, I think very forward-thinking policies, everything from uh, transparency of data with a community to race-blind charging policies to many innovative and new programs to deal with the problems of homelessness, uh, mental health, which we know impact the criminal justice system and impact our communities significantly. He's been very forward thinking in those policies. He was opposed by someone who, again, was more of the George Gascon and Chesa Bodine mindset, who believed in zero bail, who believed in less accountability, who believed in early release and all those kinds of policies that have endangered other communities. And uh, Jeff was able to win a resounding victory. I mean, you have to call it a landslide when you win by more than 20 points. And again, I think in the larger uh, sphere of elections, election results, I think people need to sit up and pay attention that the voters are speaking. Even our president has commented that the recall of Chesa Bodine is, a, is somewhat of a wake-up call in both parties need to pay attention and take care of crime. And so my hope is that election results like that of Jeff, and let's not forget, Tory Rubricelles are in San Joaquin County, another rogue prosecutor who's implementing reckless and dangerous policies that are harming her community. Uh, it appears she is headed for defeat uh, by a veteran homicide prosecutor from her own office. I think in part, it's, it's further reflection that uh, the voters have had enough with some of these reckless policies. To, to equate being progressive politically, um, 
with being reckless on criminal justice and wanting to criminalize our system, I think is a, is a large misnomer. I think there are many progressives that care deeply about criminal justice, care deeply about criminal justice reform, but want safe communities, want violent criminals held accountable. And this election, from my perspective, speaks very strongly to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, and thanks for bringing up the Tory race. I, I wanted to ask you about that. But as a quick follow up there, I think it's important for the listeners to understand a little bit about the history there. If it's okay, I know this is a little, it's a little, it's a little uh, sort of inside politics in your organization, but but she left your organization, made quite a stink about it, and, and was um, one of four members of the California Prosecutors Alliance. Is that right? Correct. There's a separate uh, competing organization that was really established by George Gascon during his campaign against Jackie Lacey, uh, the first woman to serve as district attorney of Los Angeles County and the first black American to serve as district attorney of Los Angeles County. And, and Mr. Gascon was able to defeat her uh, and outspend her. Um, and this prosecutor's alliance was largely a political creature that he created uh, as, a, as a separate entity from the California District Attorneys Association. And if Tory loses, as we expect her to sitting here today, their organization is going to be 50% uh, smaller, but by my count, unless, yeah, I'm, unless I'm missing something. An organization that boasted four members. Now, there are 58 elected district attorneys in the state of California. Uh, their organization boasted four members, and now it will only have two members. It's also important to point out that the California District Attorneys Association, in addition to representing the vast majority of elected DAs, also represents about 3,500 deputy district attorney members as well. So Greg, can you help us put this in national context? Because this is not the first state where we've seen this backlash against wholesale decriminalization happen. I mean, I think the New York mayor's race was really significant in this regard too. And we're seeing this, um, really seeing this theme throughout the country. I don't think people should view the California results in isolation. Um, we certainly saw a lot of them last week uh, to reinforce the point. But, but where do you view what's going on in California in the context of the national discussion? Well, I think if you look at uh, New York in particular, uh, you see that they're experiencing a lot of the increases in crime similar to those being experienced here in California that are due to some of these policies. And let's be clear, some of the policies that are causing problems are not just coming from district attorneys. Are coming from our legislative body that is hell-bent on uh, adopting proposals that are endangering the public. Um, so I do think that um, while I know some commentators want to dismiss the results of Tuesday's election, I think it speaks to a larger trend. We do know that criminal justice in terms of public attention and public focus uh, ebbs and flows. When crime goes up, the public becomes far more attentive to issues of criminal justice and is more attentive both in terms of what they're seeing uh, on their television at night or reading in newspapers, but also more attentive at the ballot box. And Tuesday reflects that they are more attentive. 
uh, to that. In terms of the New York mayor's race, uh, I think Mayor Adams was elected on a law and order platform. He was clearly opposed to the defund police movement and recognized that the safety of New York City was absolutely dependent uh, upon law and order and having a strong and vibrant and fair and responsible uh, police agency. And uh, I think he's trying to build that now uh, with the support of law enforcement officials. So to me, it's not just California. I think we're seeing a lot of backlash in Philadelphia. We're seeing a lot of backlash in Chicago and Baltimore. All of those prosecutors are under siege, so to speak, for really uh, operating more like public defenders than prosecutors. As one commentator said, we need to realize that prosecutors are elected to prosecute, to hold bad guys accountable for crime, not to act as public defenders. And unfortunately, this rogue prosecutor movement has uh, gotten a number of prosecutors elected who are really not prosecutors. They are public defenders and they administer the offices much like a public defender would. Public defenders have value in the system and they play an important role and I have great respect for the role that they play, but they are not prosecutors. And we need officers, offices uh, of district attorneys and prosecutors offices across the country administered by responsible, fair law and order prosecutors. Well, I think it's a great place to wrap. Greg, um, if people want to find more about your organization, Golden State Communities Project, where should they go? How can they get involved? GoldenStateCommunities.org. You'll see a number at, at that location. They'll see a number of ads that we ran in various races and learn more about this organization. And then uh, the larger District Attorneys Association is just CDAA.org. And you can find all that we do in terms of training, publications, and advocacy on behalf of the citizens of California. Great, Greg. Well, thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks for uh, making such a big impact on this cycle with the new organization and fighting a good fight. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Good to be with you. Thank you. We invite you to share story ideas, comments, and questions. Find us at NeptuneOps.com or on Twitter at, at NationStateOfP1. Again, that's at NationStateOfP and then the number one. Follow us and subscribe to listen to all of our episodes as we continue to explore the inside stories driving California policy. This is the Nation State of Play podcast, exploring the inside political stories driving public policy in California. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening. Olas Media.